Hey, to the point listeners, I want to make sure you are all aware that September is Suicide Prevention Month. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. If you've ever had to endure the horrible loss to suicide or even attempted suicide as I have, then you know the pit it leaves in your stomach and especially because it could have been prevented. So I want to share some warning signs with you uh, of those who are might be considering suicide or thinking about suicide. And, and that's people talking about wanting to die or kill themselves um, or talking about feeling hopeless or having no purpose. Maybe they're feeling trapped or having unbearable pain. Talk about being a burden, excessive alcohol use or drug use, um, you know, acting, acting anxious and agitated, sleeping too much or too little, withdrawing, um, maybe the opposite in, in showing rage is another thing or seeking revenge or just displaying those extreme mood swings or something you should all be on the lookout for. Now, if you know of someone or you suspect someone, I would encourage you to reach out to them and have an honest conversation. Be bold and talk to them in private and listen to their story. Tell them you care about them. Ask directly if they're thinking about suicide or have thought about it, and then encourage some sort of treatment. You know, avoid debating the value of life or minimizing their problems or giving advice if you have to, and, and simply just encourage them to seek treatment or contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is uh, 1-800-273-8255, or connect with me, your boy Chris. I'd be happy to sit and listen with them and talk to them. And thanks again to our listeners for always tuning in every week. I'm so incredibly grateful. And go and spread the word. We love you. This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, Chris Yano, along with my co-host who was here when we originally started recording, but now it appears that he is no longer here. So I don't even have a co-host today. Um, oh, there he is. I see him walk around the background unprepared like Tall Paul typically is. Hey, Tall Paul, welcome to the show, buddy. Glad you could make it. You're on mute. Come on, Ricky. We've almost done 100 episodes. Mute. We are almost done 100 episodes, and you missed the introduction, and you're on mute. Come on. Hold on. You did the introduction that. already? Yeah. We're already in it. We're live in the podcast right now. No way. 100%. Get out of here. Yep. So, welcome, well, hey, everyone. Paul. <laughs> well, I'm not even here to defend myself. You weren't. You just disappeared. That's very unprofessional of you. You know what? And, and you're better than that. I had to put the dog up. Oh, okay. So you must be at home. All right, listen, I'm going to get into it because Paul's already derailing the show and ruining it. And we have a very special guest on that we don't want to ruin the show. We want to give him as much time as possible to speak. I was so incredibly excited that we finally got Terry booked on the podcast to uh, share some of his experience. And like we were saying pre-podcast, um, man, I've heard about I've heard about this gentleman for a lot of years. And, uh, and there's a lot of crossover, yet we've never met. We've never officially met until today. And, um, and man, I am excited for him to share his story, some of our mutual connections. Um, and, and th this guy is arguably a, another legend in the industry, along with some of the others that we've had on the podcast too. And, uh, and I'm excited to have Mr. Terry Nicholson on the podcast, who's currently the chief success officer of Praxis S10, but my goodness, 
success is probably a perfect title for you, Terry, because you've had quite a bit of it over the years. But welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me. And I feel like such a disadvantage because I don't have any cool headsets on, <laughs> no big microphone like you all. So uh, I guess I'm going to have to up my game next time. I wasn't aware I needed all these cool toys. All the tools of the trade. It's just to look cool. It's all just for perception. Okay. They're now, not even plugged in. They're not even really plugged in. Yeah, right. Uh, well, your audio sounds great. You look great. You wouldn't want to ruin that bald head anyway with a pair of uh, headphones. It looks too cool. Um, my bald head, I shaved it during COVID because I, I did one of those COVID haircuts, and it still is ugly. It's been ugly the first time I did it when I was in high school, and it was ugly again when I shaved it this time. So I will not be – I hope I never lose my hair. I'm going to wear a hat always. But, hey, Terry, listen, um, a couple quick things uh, before we get into some of the questions and, and letting our audience know kind of a little bit of your history. And, and typically what I would do is share a little bit of what your history is, but yours is so elaborate and so cool that I didn't want to miss anything. So I'm going to have you kind of share some of that in the, um, in the beginning. But first um, I want to say I did, when I was doing a little bit of research um, just on when we were having you on, I saw a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, It appears that you might be a little bit of a hockey fan. Is that true? Uh, That would be an accurate assessment. (laughs) Now, it also might be, I mean, there's, there's a couple of, uh, you probably have a couple of athletes that might be your favorite. Is that, is that a fair assessment too? Uh, that's probably a fair assessment as well. <laughs> do, you, do you want to share who those athletes are? I am not one of them. <laughs> well, when I, it comes to hockey, uh, I, I guess my favorite player right now kind of flies a little below the radar scale. And I'm not sure exactly why, because I think he drives the success of the lightning and that would be Braden Point. So I'm a big Braden Point fan uh, for the Lightning. And I'm fortunate that I have two teams. And I uh, spent most of my uh, adult adult life, I should say, in St. Louis. So I'm a St. Louis Blues fan on the west side. And I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan on the east side. And obviously, I live here in Sarasota, Florida. So I'm a season ticket holder with the Lightning. And obviously, I get to see them a lot more than I do the Blues. But it was a great time to see the Blues win the Stanley Cup uh, in 2019. And then the Lightning the last two years. So I'm able to say my favorite team has won the Stanley Cup the last three years in a row. It seems like you might be their good luck charm. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> and let's normalize having a couple of favorite teams. I'm okay with that, oh, too. Oh, boy. One from the AFC, one from the NFC. That way you always have something to root for. Chris, you should consider a second favorite football team. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stick with my Arizona Cardinals. But, um, yes, I do love Indianapolis Colts because I'm from Indianapolis, or I'm from outskirts of Indianapolis. But, um, no, no, no. Car- Colts play the Cardinals. The Cardinals win. That's, that's there you go. I'm going to leave it at that. And I say that because I'm flying to Nashville to go watch – my Cardinals open up against the Tennessee Titans. So I'm excited for that. I leave in, uh, what's that? Tomorrow. I leave tomorrow. I'm going to be in Nashville tomorrow, Terry. Well, good for you. <laughs> well, um, you know what? Hockey never caught on in uh, Indiana. We have you know, the Indianapolis Ice, which is like our you know minor league hockey team. I remember going to a couple games. But listen, Indiana is all about basketball and racing. So ho- hockey was never even really on my radar, nor was rugby. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not rugby. Um, <laughs> shit, what's the uh, one with the with the Nets? With the little sticks in the net, lacrosse. Good grief! But I loved watching lacrosse because out here in Arizona, we got we had a, a professional team, Arizona Sting, and I loved those guys would just beat each other up, and that was pretty fun to watch. The defenders or whatever I forget what they're called in on defense, but those guys, I feel like their only job was just to light people up, and that was fun You're to rough. watch, and that's what I loved about hockey. 
we don't it's hard to really cheer loud for hockey out here in Arizona Terry with the Coyotes it's a little difficult <laughs> yeah but didn't one of the greatest players come from that part of the the country didn't Austin Matthews come from out that direction that's true that's true good point ice so, in Arizona ice in Arizona what do you know well um hey real quick you um speaking of chief success officer now didn't you i know you probably, you probably share a little bit of this in your in the intro um about who you are and kind of your history but didn't you i think if i read this correctly just have or i mean um in 06 did you create or pick one of the co-founder of rupert's success international was that, is that do i got my years right 06 07 somewhere around that time frame well, uh, I, I think the year is right. Uh, definitely was a co-founder of co-founder. River Success International. I'm not sure of the exact year, but that sounds about right. Got it. I thought I read that too. So, so which is a part of S- SGI, and um, and also the electrical side you did as well. I think it was before roofing you did the Electrical Success International. Is that correct? That would be accurate as well. And started that with my friend Patrick Kennedy. Got it. Who, uh, is just one of the greatest uh, human beings you ever want to meet, and he uh, recently passed away. And obviously, he's uh, a, I still think of him every week. Yeah. Um. So, I saw that was very recently, wasn't it? Was that? Yes, uh, I believe it was December of last year. Okay, that's right. Okay, I'm wearing that. Well. Um, okay, I didn't mean to bring us down there. Holy moly. Um, I was just yeah, trying. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate that. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Maybe we should just go, hey, here's a, actually something that's, let's go ahead and lift this thing back up. Didn't you just recently have an anniversary? Uh, man, you're digging deep. Uh, yes, I've been married. Uh, 30? 60, yeah, 60 years and 30 Six, apiece. 60 okay. years. <laughs> 30 for her 30 for me but that's 60 right oh my <laughs> it counts. hey congratulations that is awesome um i Thank always you. i love when i read stuff like that just because you know sometimes it's so easy for people to give up um you know and i bet you that's been a really easy time right like you probably never had any disagreements or anything like that right well i'm sure it's been easier for me than it has been her so <laughs> she, she's Relatable. obviously a saint to, to tolerate me <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. See, that was better. That was great. See, we're on the right track. We're on the right path now. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and jump into this. Let, go ahead and let our listeners know. And listeners, listen, you got to tune it. You got to really turn up the volume on this one. Pay attention. Take notes. Do whatever you need to do because uh, I just have a feeling this is going to be an extra special episode and Terry's going to drop some knowledge and wisdom. There you I, go. I got beat up for saying tips and tricks by Michael Lee Gerber. Uh, literally, in, he was sitting in this chair beating me up for saying tips and tricks. But Terry's not going to bring just tips and tricks. He's bringing knowledge and wisdom to the podcast, and I'm excited for him to share it. So, Terry, let's go ahead, if you would, and just share kind of how you got into the trades and then your your path through the trades to uh, where you're at today with Praxis S10. Is that cool? Okay. You're going to take me down memory lane. Let's do you? it. Let's do it. Okay. Outstanding. I got to tell about one job before I got into the trade, so it'll tie it together and it'll make sense. But have you all heard of a gentleman by the name of Tom Hopkins, internationally known sales trainer? I think I've heard that name before. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
And so anyway, I started out my career and I was a young man working for Tom Hopkins, results Tom Hopkins. And basically what Tom Hopkins would do is he would go to a city like a rock star and do his big event sales training program. But behind the scenes, guys like me and my team, we would show up eight to 12 weeks before and we would go out and conduct these mini training programs. And if our mini training program went extremely well, people would line up and give us checks and credit cards. Yes, that's how long ago it was. People <laughs> used to actually write checks. And when they wrote a check and gave it to us, we would give them a ticket and that would get them in to see Tom Hopkins. And we'd show up at the big event and rah, rah, rock star, hope you guys feel great and you know how to sell now. And then we would move on to the next city. Now, occasionally people would get so excited at the program that they'd say, we want to hire Tom Hopkins to come in and do a custom training program designed specifically for just our organization. And uh, then they would call up and they'd find out how much it was. And this actually happened. And the guy said, you got someone smaller that'll pay a little bit less to come in and do a custom program for us? Well, when you wanted to pay less than Tom and you didn't want to pay for the big guy, you got the little guy. <laughs> you were the and, consolation and, prize, Terry? Yeah, I'm the consolation <laughs> prize. And, and and I think it's my stature because, you know, I stand four foot 18 and uh, a, a commanding presence out there. And the guy who called me to do this training program was uh, a guy you probably have heard of. He's He's been around the industry for a long time, was Joe Cunningham. And oh, yeah. Joe Cunningham. Oh yeah. Joe yes, was just on a few legendary. weeks ago. Okay. Well, see, it's a small world. This it industry really is, is unbelievable. And, and Joe Cunningham was working for carrier and he had a program called the Texas tough program just for carrier dealers. And he wanted me to come in and put together this custom training program for the carrier tough dealer program. So that's what I did. And at the end of the day, they were happy and Joe was happy and Joe paid me. So I'm happy. You're happy and yeah. it, everyone's doing well. It's a great day. And uh, I don't hear from Joe. And, and so anyway, in that position of working for results, Tom Hopkins, I lived on the road almost all the time. In fact, the first two years I worked there, I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have a house. I lived literally 100% on the road. Wow. And that was my first two years. But then I moved in, became a VP of sales and marketing. So I still traveled, but I would leave Sunday night, got home Friday night. And I came home Friday night and my lovely wife is in bed rest or she's in the bed. She's pregnant with twins. I am proud to say that I was in town when she got pregnant, though. <laughs> I just want that clear on the record, all right? Wait a second. That was amazing. So, nobody, set it, you, nobody set you up it, to say that, did they? Zero. That was an amazing, amazing delivery, by the way. I just want to I just want to call that out. Well done. The show is yours, my friend. Okay, excellent. And so she's laying there in bed and she's crying and she's telling me I'm confined to the last three months for bed rest and you're never going to leave that job. You love that job more than you do me. And I'm going to be raising these two twins by myself. And, you know, she's crying. I just couldn't handle it. So I got back on a plane, flew back to Dallas and resigned in person and said, I love you guys, but I just can't keep doing this anymore. So I moved back to St. Louis. Well, that's where my, my wife lived. And, and so I didn't live there very much. And you were there every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so anyway, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'd been in a hundred or 200 different industries doing training. So I'd seen almost every type of sales organization you could possibly see. But what I did love is I love training. So I started my own training company. And so I'm doing training in St. Louis. And about two years after that date, I get a call, call from Joe Cunningham. And he says, 
hey, I'm working for a company called Future University. It's located in Chesterfield. It's owned by Jim Abrams. And I didn't know who Jim Abrams was. I didn't know what Future University was. And he said, I'd like to catch up with you. And I said, hey, Joe, how did you get my number? <laughs> and uh, you talk about fate or destiny or just meant to be. Joe said, well, even though I work in St. Louis, I commute back and forth from Houston because he lived in the Houston area. And he was sitting at a bar Dave and Buster's actually at a bar and he starts talking to the guy next to him and somehow or another conversation came up Tom Hopkins and Joe said you know I used to know this little bald guy who used to work for Tom Hopkins you know I, I don't remember his name but you know and the guy said well that's Terry he's the guy who hired me to work for Tom Hopkins and yeah I know where he's at he's in St. Louis and Joe goes I work in St. Louis so Joe That's got cool. the number from this guy. So you talk about a fluke out of all the yeah, bars yeah. in Houston that he meets the guy who knows me that has my number. That's meant to be. And, yeah. And so I go out, I meet with Joe and I don't know what Joe wants, but he's an old client and I always enjoyed Joe. You know, he always had his big black cowboy hat <laughs> on and cowboy, cowboy boots and his, you know, big buckle. I kept telling him he needed a five gallon hat, but he said he liked the cowboy hat. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, I show up and what he wants is he's building a, a bigger training team and he wants to hire me as one of the trainers. And I say, hey, Joe, thanks. No, thanks. I'm doing my own thing. Happy about it. And that was it. Appreciate you thinking of me. Six months later, he calls me back again. I go back out, visit with him, and he just put a few more pepperonis on the pizza and wanted to pay me a little more money. <laughs> and I said, thanks. No, thanks, Joe. I'm happy. I'm going to keep doing my own thing. And about three months later, he calls me again. And I just say, hey, Joe. I'm not going to go to work for you. And he said, just come out and visit with me. I'm like, okay. So I went out. I think he stiffed me for lunch that time, by the way. <laughs> but, and that's Joe, you know, he, he's a good guy. He's a funny guy. You know, he's got to be one of the funniest guys in HVAC. A quote in one liner, as you probably oh, his, know. If you know his we, podcast had, was, we didn't know that was coming, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it was hilarious, yeah. We'd yeah, never he, met him, and he showed up on the podcast and just completely blew us away. It, it was, was amazing. Awesome. Yeah, he, he's a great guy, and he'd give you the shirt off his back. He just He's just an all-around great down-to-earth you know, guy. Loves his horses, as you probably know. Yep. But anyway, when I went back out that time, he said, look, Terry, I'm not going to hire you. You don't want to be hired. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, how about I hire you for one week out of the month? And I said, can I pick my one week? And he goes, you can pick your one week, and I'll pay you X. And I said, let me get this right. You're going to hire me one week out of the month. I get to choose which week I go, and you're going to pay me X. And then I asked the important question. If you don't resell me back to the membership or whoever you want me to go train and see, do I still get paid anyway? He goes, absolutely. And I go, okay, I got to get clearance from Karen, and I can go out and travel a week out of the month. Let me go get clearance. If so, I'm in. And I got clearance, and so I went to work, and that's when I learned the real value of Terry and learned a very valuable lesson because Joe marked me up double what he was paying me. Okay? <laughs> and I went, good for Joe, you know, but yep. he helped me recognize the value that I had. So I started going out doing training and representing, you know, Future University, which was owned by Jim Abrams, who also owned a company called Contractor Success Group. And then I had the big opportunity to go to the national convention. And I knew Jim and Jim knew me because he wrote me a check every time I did training programs, but I didn't really know Jim I, other than I would recognize him, but I never had the opportunity to sit down. So even though I'd been working there for months, I never really had sat down and visited with him. It was always through Joe. 
And I'm at this national meeting where all these contractors are out here in the audience walk, watching Jim up here on stage. What year is this, by the way? What's that? What year is this? Um, It was 93, 94. Okay. I mean, gotcha. when, when you go back this long, it's, <laughs> it all that, that's close enough. Close yeah. enough. Sorry. And, and so I was just in all of this man walking back and forth up here, educating people. And I can't tell you how I recognized it, but I did. I recognized that he was going to build a national company and I was inspired and I was excited. And, you know, I told you I had seen 200 plus different industries, but nothing got me as excited as watching him that day. And I finally got the nerve up at one of the afternoon breaks, right when he went on break, I rushed up to the corner of the stage. He went to walk down the stairs. I grabbed a hold of the rails, meaning you got to walk over me or you got to talk to me. And he stopped and I said, Hey Jim, you got a moment. And he said, breaks are for clients. Meet me out hall in the hall <laughs> 10 minutes after we start back up. I went, okay. So, uh, you know, and I didn't want to be late. So the, the minute the break ended, I went out in the hall and waited for Jim to come out. And he told me where to go. And there were two chairs, a couch, coffee table. So I'm sitting at one of these chairs and he comes out just walking really fast. And he's not much for chit chat. His first answer was, or reply was, what's up? that was his and i'm like wow let's let's warm up a little bit jim now what's up and i said you're building a national company i can recognize that i don't want to be a part of it and he didn't confirm it and he didn't deny it which to me meant he was confirming Confirming it it, right and he said if you want to be in this industry and you want to be something important to this organization you need to go learn the business like i learned the business and start at the ground floor and become a salesperson and sell heating, air conditioning equipment. And even though I was doing training, it wasn't training specific on the HVAC world. And I don't actually think he thought I would do it. And so the convention ended on Saturday. On Monday, I went down to his, he had three locations in the day. And uh, one of those happened to be located in Chesterfield. So, and not, he didn't work out of the Chesterfield. He worked up on top of the hill out of the CSG office. So I walked into the location there, met the general manager. I knew who the general manager was because all the events, I mean, I knew basically everyone. And I sat down with the general manager and I tell him that I want to go to work for you selling heating and air conditioning equipment. And he wouldn't hire me. And I'm like, baffled and I'm you know and highway 40 runs through Chesterville Valley there there's probably 70,000 cars that go by and I still remember going there's 70,000 cars that pass that interstate every day I said I've worked for the nation's number one sales trainer I know how to train I know how to sell I'm willing to work on straight commission how many times does anyone drive by highway 70 or highway 40 with that qualification walk in and say I want to go to work for you and he goes well it's never happened And I said, well, I'm your first guy. Don't let this opportunity pass you. And he goes, you know how much a lead cost? I said, I don't know. He goes, 250 bucks. I take a $250 risk every time I give you a lead. I'm just not going to hire you. I'm not willing to take that risk. And I'm like totally confused on that because I just can't believe the demand for, you know, salespeople is so great. He gets to be picky in this industry. (laughs) And I asked a few questions and I said, basically, you know, who is in charge of Jim's three locations? And he told me the the name of the individual. And I said, does he work out of uh, this office by any chance? And he said, yeah, he does. And there were only two offices up front there. And I said, is that his office over there by any chance? 
And he said, yes. And before the S even got out of his mouth, I'd already stood up and was heading out the door over the, across the hall. And he goes, but you can't go in there without a point. And by that time I was already knocking on the door and the guy was in and I walked in and sat down and I told him what I wanted to accomplish. And about 15 minutes later, and I know he's wrong. I know it was immature, but I went back over to the general manager's door, knocked on his door again. And I said, looks like you and I are going to be working together. <laughs> Double thumbs up for Double the listeners. Up. And, and so the VP obviously over Trump, the general manager, and yep. it was wrong. And he wasn't overly excited about that. So anyway, I go to work selling heat and air conditioning equipment. And uh, I'm proud to say, you know, I had some success there, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, my first week in the business, I sold a fuel efficient or 80% fuel efficient electric furnace. I mean, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> and I know you have a lot of people that may not be in the heating air conditioning world. That furnace doesn't exist. But you know what? Homeowners didn't know it either. And what I had sold was comfort. And I had shared with them, hey, if it's 95 degrees outside and you have your thermostat set at 75 degrees, if you go to that thermostat setting, it will be within plus or minus one degree, worst case scenario. On a minus 10 degree day, if your thermostat set at 70, it'll be within plus or minus one degree of that 70 degree temperature. Worst case scenario, if it's not, we'll modify it, we'll repair it, we'll replace it, including putting a new one if we have to. In fact, we're so confident in what we do, we'll give you 365 days to determine whether that achieves that type of comfort. You think you'd know within 365 days? And usually the homeowner would say, well, we'll probably know the first day it gets hot. And that'd give you the peace of mind to move forward today, wouldn't it? And I just nod my head and her head would start nodding. And pretty soon it was press hard four copies. All right. <laughs> but, but for our audience out there, I, I think so many people get hung up on all this technical stuff when really, you know, people are still investing comfort. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. That's what they want. And, and so even though I didn't understand all the mechanics and inner workings of heating air conditioning, I understood people, I understood what they really wanted, became somewhat successful at selling heat and air conditioning equipment. It was a great blessing for me because, and I'm not telling you that Jim Abrams taught this method. I'm just telling you the people who taught me the method of how to make in-home sales in HVAC, I would go in, I'd have this wonderful relationship and we're laughing, we're having a good time. And then when we'd come down to the end, they'd start having these objections. And we'd get, I'd overcome one, another one come up, I'd overcome one, another one come up. And pretty soon you're in one of these boxing matches. Let's see who has more objections and more closes. And I absolutely hated it. I mean, I felt like I was breaking people's arms, but I also understood if I didn't make the sale that I wasn't going to eat tonight. And so I, I said to myself, there has to be a better way. And I started applying the principles that selling principles I'd learned from Tom Hopkins. And, you know, you ask the questions, you find out what people want, you eliminate, you close doors as you walk down the hall, all that stuff, both you guys know. And what came of that was this friendly 
I guess uh, in today's world, a lot of people would call it consulting, selling, but really I just called it asking the questions, find out what people want. I mean, I'm a pretty sophisticated individual, find out what people want, right? And <laughs> make sure you leave them to, to what they want. And it became a really simple process for me. But more importantly, the reason why I shared that wasn't about my success, because keep in mind, I was there for a bigger purpose, a bigger reason. What it allowed me to do was to build training programs that were duplicatable by any type of person who wanted to succeed. And where before, you know, used to, they used to say timid salespeople have skinny kids. Well, we could actually take timid people and we could actually teach them a friendly, non-combative, just ask these questions when you get this answer, lead them over this way, and you can eliminate all the objections before they even come up. And at the end, there's really only one thing left to do, and that's where do I authorize? And it just became a friendly way to move heating air conditioning equipment. And at the time, and I know I'm dating myself, but back in those days, what how I really initially got famous was I, I established myself as the maker of million-dollar salespeople, and that's what I was known for. No one had trained more million-dollar sales producers than anyone in this industry other than me. And I say that because today selling a million dollars is nothing in today's world because of the inflation and price increases, et cetera. But back in those days, it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And when you looked at our organization, we had an organization of clients and virtually everyone had million dollar salespeople following this system. Yeah. So, but that's how I got recognized, but it's not how I really grabbed Jim Abrams' attention, which do we have time? You want me to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So anyway, Jim and his business partner, John Young at the time, they were always visionaries looking at what's the new product? What are things that people, consumers want? And they introduced indoor air quality. And to my knowledge, they were the first people who really jumped on. Now, this was in the early 90s, keep in mind. And they started talking about HIPAA filtration. They started talking about activated oxygen, uh, UV lights. And in fact, we started, uh, they, they actually bought a distributorship and started using that distributorship to give products to just our members. Or I shouldn't say give, our members had to buy it, but, but it was set up purely to serve the members of Contractor Success Group. We had this product but not a lot of people were adopting it, including Jim's own company owned locations that he personally owned. And so now Jim makes the announcement that he's gonna form a publicly traded company. And so now it's been publicly announced. And remember, I came there because my vision was I wanted to be a part of building this national company. And so I sent Jim a proposal and a game plan on here's how we can introduce indoor air quality to every company and how we can spread the success, which would not only benefit your distributorship of the product, but it would help the success and profitability of the dealer, but it would also help many homeowners who do not even understand this product exists that can help them with their allergies and the filth and the, you know, all the stuff you know indoor air quality does. And guess what he did with that proposal? Okay, no guesses? No he guesses. Off in the trash. Okay. Wow. Go didn't, even look at it. didn't even reply to me. And I had personally went by and dropped it off, but he wouldn't, you know, I couldn't get to it. And they're like, Jim says he's busy, leave it. So they give it to him. So 
he, I call him three or four times and he ignores me, doesn't answer me. So finally I went, I got to grab his attention. So here's what I'm going to do. Now, keep in mind, I'm now doing training for contractor success group. I'm running leads for his company. I'm still selling mm -hmm. replacement equipment. I went back to the same general manager, didn't want to hire me. And, you know, I look back on it. I say, yeah, I was pretty immature, but I walked in and I said, I got good news for you. And I got bad news for you. And I go, which one you want first? And he goes, give me the bad news. And I said, the bad news is I'm no longer a replacement salesperson and I'm not going to run any replacement leads anymore. And he was kind of devastated there because I was a contributor now. And yeah, now yeah. he had recognized that that was going to be a big hit to his revenue stream that he was going to have to replace now. And I said, the good news is I'm your indoor air quality specialist now. And his immediate answer was, I got no money. I'm not spending any money on indoor air quality. I don't understand it. I don't know enough about it. I'm not sure anyone wants that crap anyway. That was his answer. And I said, well, the good news is I'm not asking you for any money. What I am asking for is a little flexibility, and you're going to be the beneficiary of it. All I want is I want to visit with your technicians, and I want to visit with your call takers and dispatchers. So give me free access to those people. And what he had already forgotten is he had a duck cleaning ad in the yellow pages. So that shows you how old and long <laughs> this was. And people would call off the duck cleaning ad, and the ladies at the front desk would try to sell it. And I said, how often does that work? And they said, not very often. And I said, well, I've been given permission to take over and build the indoor air quality. And he didn't really know what I was doing. He didn't really care because he figured he, Terry's going to do whatever he wants anyway. He's going to go around my back anyway. So he figured he might as well go with me this time. <laughs> and so what I instructed was I went to the technicians and I taught them how to set leads. Then I went to the call takers and I said, here's what I want you to do from now on. If I'm here, make sure and get the phone to me. If I'm not here, then don't tell them anything other than take their name, their telephone number, and tell them the indoor air quality specialist will call them back. So that's what I did. And I started running duct cleaning leads, which we were trying to sell over the phone. In the first nine months of the year, we'd sell something like $36,000 total company-wide of this stuff. And in the next 30 days in that month, I sold over $40,000 of indoor air quality which I don't think had ever been done at that time. Now, it's pretty deceptive, and the reason why is the first two weeks, I didn't sell anything because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. It took me about two weeks to hone it out, build the presentation, fine-tune it, figure out what people were going to say, build that into a presentation. And so really, the forty grand came from really about 10 days of work. And I even went out and installed two jobs just because I wanted to make sure that I completed my manual properly and had a indoor air quality checklist installation procedure. And to do that, I obviously had to be a duct cleaner for two days, which, you know, I'm glad I did it. I wouldn't do it again today, I don't think. But anyway, Jim gets his financial because he is a financial guy and he sees Okay, nine months, 36,000, one month, 40,000. He calls down the general manager. He said, what the heck are you guys doing? Now, you can kind of imagine his embarrassment of the general manager because he said, I don't really know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> well, that's all Terry. Well, what's he doing? I don't know. He hadn't told me. And he's like, well, tell him to come and see me immediately when he gets in. He's got time for you now. <laughs> you <found laughs> yeah, <who> he <laughs> hey. So, 
I got in, I drive up the hill three miles. I go in, I sit down with him. And, you know, I was kind of intimidated because he sat behind this great big hardwood desk that's huge, you know, and he said me in a little Yeti low rider chair and I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it felt like that because he's such a big overpowering individual there and his presence really. What's and your so, age gap between you and Jim at this time? Uh, he, now you're asking me tough questions. He is approximately 17 years older than I. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So you're not necessarily peers. So there's some authority there. Okay. Yeah. I'm just setting the stage. I want to be in the room. <laughs> okay. And so anyway, he asked me, he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm helping find people who have allergies and asthma and filth in their home, get happily involved in solutions that help them breathe and live a happier, cleaner life. And he asked me that like three or four times. And I said that like three or four times. <laughs> and I won't tell him the answer. And I think that was the very first time that I earned his respect because I wouldn't tell him what I was doing. Yep. And he basically recognized this guy now has knowledge that I don't have, and he brings substance to the game. And I said, I've already written a game plan on it. And I know, and see, by now we've already announced the date that we're going public. And I said, I know we've got the date we're going public. I want to be the first national sales trainer of the first publicly traded company. And basically Jim respected me because he realized I knew stuff that he didn't know. And I, I basically said, you're not getting it unless you hire me. And Jim kind of laughed and he said, well, I can push it through, but I've told all these guys that I'm going to keep overhead low. And all these guys were the 13 members of contractor success group that had already signed the paperwork that they're going to sell their business all on one day and form the first publicly traded company in you know the world of heating and air conditioning anyway. And so he said, we have one last meeting before the day we go public. I'll give you 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, you get to give your presentation on why you should be hired because you're going to be overhead and they're going to look at you as overhead. So you better give a good presentation if you want to get hired. And I give you 10 minutes and that's it. And then we'll take a vote at the end of the day on whether you get to be corporate overhead or not. So I went in and I gave my presentation for 10 minutes. And I had a whole game plan put together. And, you know, I have found the shorter the presentation, the more skillful it has to be. Oh, yeah. And you actually have to present and prepare more time. So I knew exactly every word I was going to say. I had it rehearsed down to a science. And I even remember Shark my tank. closing remark. And my closing remark was the first time I've ever said this. And it's now become one of uh, Terry's signatures. And so no one on this podcast tried to take it because it's, copyright in seven different countries <laughs> okay i couldn't resist the ricky bobby i'm on the edge right? of my i'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> all right so i had this and i don't remember the exact amount of profit that i had uh figured out that it would produce on an annual basis but i think it was around the 12 13 million dollar line and my final closing statement was i had showed them how we were going to do this and it was going to contribute 12 million dollars of profit to the company. And you know what I say, every extra $12 million of profit helps. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly. And they all busted up laughing. And Jim walks up laughing and, and you know, he's like, great presentation. Appreciate it, Terry. We'll be back in touch. Thanks for popping by. And Jim goes to prepare something. I walked the back of the room and I just sat down. 
And Jim continues on with his lesson. I'm starting to hear stuff I'm probably not supposed to hear. And about five minutes into it, he stops and he looks straight at me and he goes, Terry, get out of the room. This is private. <laughs> and I go, I thought I was already on the team, Jim. <laughs> and everyone started laughing again. They're turning around. I'm walking out the door. And so I'm waving at him. So now I had him laughing twice. And he's up there shaking his head when the door closes. So that's how I got his attention. I became the national sales trainer for uh, service experts. So uh, I did implement the indoor air quality, continue doing the training, building million dollar salespeople. And then I actually moved into handling trouble centers. Sometimes we'd buy a location and the owner would ride off into the sun and the person that they put in charge wasn't quite capable. So I would go there and troubleshoot, help turn those centers around. I eventually was assigned a general management role on one troubled center. And then I became an area VP. And then I finally got back to uh, the sales training side of it, which is what I loved and where I wanted to be. But I did whatever needed to do to build a successful company. So that was my service experts days. And in that time period, Jim actually had retired and rode off into the sun and uh, about a year and a half after being retired, he got tired of being retired. And one of our mutual acquaintances calls me up one day and says, Hey, now I'm still at service experts and I've got a great job there and great income, stock options, growing company, excited. I work out of my house two weeks out of the month, travel the other two weeks. I kind of really get to do my own thing. And the individual calls me up and says, I believe Jim's starting another business and he'd probably like to talk to you. So I gave Jim a call and sure enough, Jim was starting another business and that uh, business was called Clockwork Home Services and it was going to launch the very first endeavor when I went in and sat down with him. I said, what are we going to do? You're not competed in the heating and air conditioning world. And he said, we're going to build a plumbing organization. And I still remember going, what do we know about plumbing, Jim? And he said, well, nothing. But he said, we do understand business. And the business of operating a contracting company is the same, whether it's plumbing, whether it's electrical, roofing, HVAC, or fill in the gap. We understand business. But he said, don't worry. We're going to get Mike Diamond to be our operational guru. Now, at the time, now, are you guys familiar with Mike Diamond? I am. I am not. I am. Okay. Mike Diamond at the time was the largest residential service plumber in North America by far out in the Huge. West Coast LA area. All right. And I was just so impressed that Jim said, we are going to get Mike Diamond. Now, Mike Di hadn't agreed to this, but Jim <laughs> just said, we're going to get him to be on our team. And I said, okay, so, you know, so let me make sure I understand this endeavor, Jim. Okay, so I get to take a pay cut. I get to walk away from my health benefits, my stock options, and go back on the road traveling again. And we're going to build in an industry where we know nothing about predicated on getting Mike Diamond on the board. Do I have that right? And he goes, yeah, you got it right. And I go, okay, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> but one caveat, you got to convince my wife that it's safe for me to come to work here. Karen. And so I literally sent Karen to go visit with him. And as he puts it, and I wasn't there, so I don't really know. He said she interrogated him. <laughs> and finally, she got to the question and said, what type of income can he make? What, where will he go? And so Jim started talking about partnership and how if this was successful, the other businesses we were going to build. And then he came back and he asked the closing question on Karen and said, now he's going to be on the road a bunch if he takes this. And she said, well, what's the income he could make again? 
And he answered and she said, if he can make that, you can have him every night this year. <laughs> Back on the road. Hey, that's what Jim said anyway. So hey, we how, started playing. How were the boys that time? Well, one boy, one girl. Oh, so one boy, I, one girl. I, okay. So you I had, had twins. The best of both worlds. So in 99, they would have been five years old. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to get some context of age well, the kids. Almost okay. five. Got it. Okay. Right. Right in that time frame. Um, Maybe five. Now you're asking me tough questions. Sorry. I got my shoes on, guys. I can't <laughs> add when I got my shoes on. I need all my fingers on my I just, toes. I just taught one of my children that last week, by the way. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we, we launched Plumber Success International because that was successful. We then started Airtime 500 when our non-competes ended. Then we did form Electrician Success International, Roofer Success International. And then we actually started recognizing the power of branding. Now, we knew it for years. And, uh, but you know, back in those days, if you ask a person, name a good cup of coffee, they're probably going to say Starbucks. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want a fresh uh, sandwich, where would you go? Subway. You know, if you want, you know, uh, a FedEx or I get, just gave it away overnight packages <laughs> in FedEx. So it's this branding. And Jim said, we're going to build for those contractors who believe that branding wins today, then we're going to build a brand. So that was the birth of one hour heat and air conditioning. That was the birth of Benjamin Franklin plumbing. That was the birth of Mr. Sparky electric. And we also built uh, successware. Now we acquired successware, but we needed to acquire it because there were certain principles we wanted to implement in our business that we needed to develop. And if we owned the company, we could get the developers to develop what we wanted them to develop. Pretty simple. Yeah. We also created uh, Bimax, which was the industry's first and largest buying organization. We also had Future University. And I'm missing, or not Future, uh, Success uh, um, Success Academy. There we go. And I'm missing something, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, and we started building, now it came to me. We started operating our own plumbing, heating, air conditioning companies as well. So we built 11 what we call business services companies which they all serve independent contractors. And then we also had our company-owned locations over here where we got up to, we were doing roughly $220-some million of residential service business, just like our clients, and saying, hey, look, every system we teach you, we're using our business. Come and see it in action. So it was kind of humorous on the organizational chart. One day, Jim and I were planning and plotting and scheming, and he was kind of running roughshod over me, and I went, hey, Jim, look at our organizational chart. You're president over here on operations. I'm president over here on the consumer business side. We're peers. Quit being so rough on me. And then he pulls out another organizational chart and he says, look at this one. I'm CEO of the overall company. <laughs> so he, he big time me. What, what can you say? So we had a good laugh on that day. And so, you know, in a nine year span, which I might add was to my knowledge, the 10 year worst economic time. I mean, we had, two wars, first terrorist attack on America's soil. We had a financial meltdown in 2007. So not a very good time to build a business. And yet we built 11 consumer businesses. I think we had 18 other company owned operations. And we went from a startup company to 1200 plus employees. And so we're operating that business. And then in 2010, uh, really the end of to, or 2009 and keep in mind economy still a little unstable right. not sure where we're heading right. at that point in time direct energy approached jim and said we'd like to buy clockwork home services and jim said the company's not for sale and they said well we got 170 million dollars 
Jim said, well, maybe the company is for sale. <laughs> it's funny how that works out. <laughs> and we ended up selling the company for $183 million. And you know what I say, every $183 million. million help. Right? Hey. And that's trademark seven countries. property. <laughs> I'm going to add an alternate ending to that quote that you can trademark. This is my gift for you donating one the history lesson, but two your time today. So you can say this, you know, Jim, every 183 million makes a difference to a company. The question is, Jim, is it going to be your company or am I going to take it to another company? <laughs> I, I, I like your style, Paul. Uh, Which company, right. Jim? And so guess what Jim does after we sell the company? Takes a vacation. He retires on me again. I mean, <laughs> you start to see a bad habit here, aren't you? And I tell everyone, Jim's still got hair. He's 74 years old and he's still got hair. And I'm like, you can see who does all the work around here. <laughs> Good point. And, and it's not true because he's he's really the smart one. I've just been very fortunate to, you know, be in the right place at the right time to earn his mentorship and get uh, accepted as a friend of business partner in his endeavors. But anyway, I agreed to stay with uh, Direct Energy for two years, became their chief uh, innovation officer. And um after two years, I said, you know, guys, it, it's been fun, but uh, you don't really need me in this role. And so I'd like to go on and do my own thing now. And so I uh, left and Jim and I were having lunch and I said, Jim, what are you doing? He goes, I'm bored out of my mind. And I said, well, I, I'm too young to retire. So why don't we start another business? So we started another business <laughs> and we didn't even know what we were going to do. So we started the search on what's going to be our next business opportunity. And we, by fluke, ran into an individual that owned a physical therapy company, and it was a better than average physical therapy company. And I'm sure you guys can see the connection between HVAC and physical therapy. Clear as mud. So we said, Clear as mud. We said, yeah, let's start a physical therapy franchise. So we went out, we actually acquired a percentage of that individual's business so we could learn the business but we could also start developing a new model for the industry because for HVAC guys or plumbers, electricians that think they got it tough, you don't have it tough. The medical profession has it tough. Yeah. If you've ever had any type of physical therapy before, what you get paid in 2021, the exact same service is less than what they got paid in 2012. Jeez. That's how difficult the business is of physical therapy, but it taught us a lot about productivity, which is a big portion of our program. Not a lot of people teach productivity today. So we implemented this new model. It had a profound impact on the healthcare of consumers. It had a profound impact on the physical therapy business owners. And it's since become the fastest growing franchise in healthcare. It's got 400 plus locations across the uh, United States. And if you ever need physical therapy, it's FY. Z-I-C-A-L, spelled different because we are different. Physical therapy and balance centers. And uh, we've- This we episode played, is brought to you by- <laughs> And we played in the private equity world in 2017. Uh, we got 51% uh, of our business was acquired. They wanted their own management team in place, which was really a blessing because that gave me the opportunity to get back to what I wanted to be in, which is heating, air conditioning, plumbing, electrical contractors. Come and, home. Now, now I'm back home. Welcome home, right? Terry. And so now I'm on the sideline with physical going, go boys, go. That's right. Keep growing. And I'm over here go working with heat and air conditioning, plumbing, electricians. All right. Does it so, feel good to be back? Oh, yeah. I, I, I love this industry. And, you know, as you 
uh, we're talking off the air, uh, you know, I still have so many friends in this business. And even though I was out, that's actually one of the reasons why I got back in is there were still people calling me, asking me for advice, asking me for help. And the, the demand was there. Hey, I want to name drop real quick a couple people that have um, worked with you who, um, who've been on the podcast. Um, so a few of them, one you already know, but uh, Geiger, Dave Geiger from Horizon, it's been on a couple times. Um, Leland Smith, Service Champions. Uh, Ken, Goodrich, Ken Goodrich is basically trying to take over the podcast, but he, mm -hmm. uh, so um, Ken Haynes, Kenny Haynes. Yes. And then uh, now you're, so the guy I've never talked to is Jimmy Hiller. Um, and, but those are all, these are all guys who have, who have worked and trained with you, right, Terry? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, I know all those guys. I mean, uh, you know, it's a small world, but, uh, and once again, I, I'm not claiming their success. Sure. They did the work. They did it. But I'd like to think that I contributed part of their success. Um, you know, I think I met Dave Geiger when he was already a plumber, but he was just getting into the HVAC business. So he, he became a client to learn how to do HVAC. Uh, I believe Ken Goodrich, when I first met him, was doing a million dollars in plumbing. He was a plumber, believe it or not, and was only a million dollars in revenue. In fact, I think somewhere in my office here. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> this is great. Uh, hold on a minute. I'm waiting. Walking over to the way, final. Okay, this is but I got this in the early 2000s, and I know you can't see this, but it was a e, uh, e postcard. And I'd never seen an e-postcard before. So, Ken, if you're listening, you were a high tech back then. And he sent me this picture of a Porsche, thanking me what a great year and the lessons that he had learned. And he went out and got him something special that year and just wanted to give thanks. So I've kept that around here for years. And uh, I, I use it for inspiration to show other people what they can accomplish and be as well. So Ken's been a great inspiration. And Leland, of course, is the nicest most humble and uh you know sly very very smart Super so sure. he comes across as he doesn't know very much kentucky but, boy but he is very very smart i think he was probably a million and a half dollar mostly a plumbing guy when we started working with him as well and God. ken haynes yeah i i you know he hangs out some here in sarasota so we catch up from time to time to visit and so uh, I think my connection with Ken Haynes is if, and I may not have all the facts right here, but uh, he had a business partner in his Cool Ray business by the name of Tom Wells. And Tom Wells was actually our business partner in a business in Indianapolis that we ended up eventually acquiring as well. And so Who indirectly, was, which by the way, which by the way was a client of mine, which has helped boosted me into the HVAC and plumbing space back in the day. Well, I know the same, I know the, I know the yeah. Okay. So yeah, I know all those guys, all great guys, uh, you know, great attributes and, and wonderful to have them in the industry. Well, that's awesome. So for sure, Goodrich is going to hear this. I'll be with him uh, next week. Um, we're flying into Service World Expo. Actually, it's cool. I get a ride on Air Gettle. I'm, I'm excited to, to fly with him. I know that means he's got another agenda. That's why I'm really flying with him because he has me trapped for two hours or two and a half hours, whatever it's going to be. So we'll see what that is. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to hear that you've worked with so many of these guys that I have so much respect for. And, um, and all these guys, I don't know if, you, if you've heard of this or not too, but uh, Paul, this, this, uh, while Terry was sharing some of his history, I was thinking, um, 
we got to get him to Rhino X. We got to yes, get him to absolutely. Rhino X. So Terry, I'll kind of share some of what, what that is with you afterwards. Um, I hope that you're okay. I'm just going to get and set the stage. This has clearly got to be a two-parter. Um, and I'm good with it because I think the story yeah. and the history was absolutely worth it. We did the same thing with, with Dave, uh, with Dave Geiger and kind of his story where we talked about some of his history. And then we went into part two, which was starting to drill into some of the questions and takeaways and things like that. Terry, are you okay with that? Absolutely. Okay, I mean, perfect. I'm, yeah. I'm just playing just, in your world. Chris. I just want to make sure you got time. You got time. <clears throat> so... It's just fascinating to hear, you know, as you look back over the last 20 or 30 years, the significance and and where people were and where they are now. It makes me wonder as you look around it, you know, we know people and we have clients and we have friends who are just hitting a million dollars and you think, well, that person's not going to be the next Dave Geiger, the next Ken Goodrich, but they are. So not to jump too far ahead here, but when we look back 30 years from now, who are the who are the Jim Abrams of this era? If that's even defined yet, is history made, right? Because I, I ask that question because Jim's name comes up all the time, right? By some of the biggest and most influential people. 30 years from now, who are some of those names? Maybe rattle off. If we even know, it might be too soon. Well, um, believe it or not, my crystal ball is not guaranteed to be 100% <laughs> perfect. But if I had to guess... And keep in mind, <coughs> those excuse me, those people we just talked about are obviously industry leaders today, and they're probably the best at at the way the business is. And I put Jimmy Hiller in that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're still operating a business, and I'm not telling you that they haven't uh, honed in and perfected and improved and put their own twist because they have. All right. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, they're still really doing the core principles that Jim Abrams and John L- Young laid out for them. All right. So if I had to guess, I would say the next Jim Abrams is not in the industry today. Yeah. I think it's going to be from someone coming from the outside that is just going to have a unique concept. They're going to think entirely different. They're going to be entirely different and they're going to bring a new concept, a new way of doing business. And that's the person that's going to be the next GM Abrams. Interesting. I like it. I like it. So when to, to, to kind of summarize, we've heard a lot about Jim and kind of your relationship and your story as it's interwoven. What was it about him that made him stand out? Why is he part of everyone's story? What, or what characteristics does Jim have that made him so special and remarkable in our industry? Well, I, I think, um, I think we'd have to say his vision. He had the ability to look out into the future and take his company to the future before the future was actually here. And I think he understood that uh, every contractor and everyone tuned in today, you really have two choices in life. Change is inevitable. It's going to happen. So you get to make the choice. Are you going to let someone else drive the change? And are you going to be constantly responding and reacting to it? Or, Or are you going to drive the change? And Jim was always a proponent of, I know it's coming. I might as well lead the change because at least I could take the industry where I want to take it. And I use this as an example of his visionary status because, um, you know, everyone today, we, we recognize and know the value of a club membership. And I don't think many people would dispute the importance of that. Right. But when you look back in 1981, Jim Abrams started a business from scratch in St. Louis, Missouri. And there's only two reasons he went to St. Louis, Missouri to start this company. 
He said it gets hot in the summertime, it gets cold in the winter. If I'm going to be in heat and air conditioning, I might as well go where it's hot and cold. And that was his only reason. He didn't know anyone there. He had been there a time or two. But other than that, that was his whole purpose is it was hot and it's cold. And so he goes there. And in the first 90 days, he goes to one of these local ACA meetings. And he said back then, now I wasn't there, but the way he told me the story is he said, pretty rough group of characters back in the 80s if you were in heating air conditioning. He said at these meetings that were held at night, he said there's a lot of drinking going on, a lot of big cigars, a lot of smoke. He said you had to fight your way through the smoke just to get to your chair. And at this one particular meeting, his first one that he's attending, the topic was every person was expected to go up to the podium and spend a couple minutes talking about how you're going to grow your business. Now, he's a brand new guy, a brand new startup company, and he goes up to the podium and he doesn't know most of these guys. He's the only guy with a sports coat and a tie on, and they're making fun of him because most of them are in a technician uniform. You're in the wrong meeting. And then he starts talking about, I'm going to build a Christmas tree farm. And one guy even yelled out and said, Jim, the Christmas tree meeting's down at the other hotel. This is an air conditioning meeting. And Jim just kind of laughed and said, well, on a Christmas tree, you have these rolls of trees. And he said, in one year, these trees are going to be big enough to sell. And I'm going to chop them all down, take them to market and sell it. And then I'm going to plant a new row. And then the next year, I'm going to chop down this row and plant a new row. And I'm going to do that. And he went out to like five years. And he said, then by then, the row I planted first is going to be ready to be harvested again. And they said, get to the point, Jim. And Jim went, my Christmas tree farm is a club membership-based business. Now, in 1981, that was state-of-the-art cutting edge. And I'm not saying he was the only guy doing it, but I am telling you, he is the only guy who actively promoted it and went out and made a concerted effort to do that. And one of the guys in the room who's kind of like the godfather of ACA in St. Louis, he took his cigar out of his mouth and went, Hell, Jim, you can't make any money selling maintenance agreements. I'll give you my maintenance customers. Oh, boy. And then, wow. being smart like he was, he went, you all heard it, and I accept. Thank you very much. And for two years, that guy gave him his maintenance customers, and this startup business in two years surpassed the size of revenue as that guy's business who had been in business 30-plus years. And that guy came to him in year two and said, hey, Jim, I know I told you I'd give my maintenance customers, but I can't do that anymore. I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim went on to be the first guy to build 10,000 service agreements in 1980s, Dang. in the early 80s. And most companies don't have 10,000 service agreements today. Right Now, is there any coincidence that that led him to go on to build the largest residential service company in North America? I think there's probably a direct correlation to that. Say so. And did it change everything for everyone? I would argue that it did. He saw well, that. I would say for the successful individuals, there's still a lot of people don't believe in club memberships and, you know, but, but for the successful guys, I think all of them adapted it, but I still wouldn't even say that was just one example of vision, but I I don't think that's Jim's biggest contribution to the industry. Do we have time to share that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I think the biggest contribution to the industry and uh, you know, I I know Chris, you had shared, you'd been in the business, I think 14 years. Paul, how about you? About the same, yeah. 
Okay, so that is, if my math still is right, that's, you know, 2000 and some towards the mid-2000s. Uh, mid mm -hmm. well, yep. For us old-timers like me that have been around, and I know there's some people who've been around longer, in the 90s, up until Jim formed service experts, if you wanted to exit your business and retire, you really only had three options. Option one is, and a lot of people did this, they locked the door, they turned the lights out, they put a thanks for your business, retired up, and they sold their parts, tools, trucks for 10, 20, 30 cents on the dollar of asset value. That was one of the options. The second option was a fortunate few had a son or a daughter and they enslaved that son or daughter into the business. And they said, <laughs> we're going to give you the business. And you worked for me, so I know that you don't have any money. But I'm going to give you the business when I die, and I'll put it in my will. But what I need you to do is I'm going to stay on the payroll, and you're going to write me a check every month to earn the right to own this business. But you're totally in charge. I'm not going to show up. I'm going to go fishing or do whatever I want to do. Now, can you imagine the compromising position that that put the son or daughter in? I mean, every month when they go to write mom or dad a check, they like write it and go, when is that old man going to die? You know, they, some of them probably were even tempted to go out and hire a hitman and knock mom and dad off. Right. So that was the second way. And the third way, which was very common, was you know, you couldn't sell the business. So you found your best loyal employee and you said, I'll sell you the business to you and I'll owner finance it. And more times than not, that guy would bankrupt that business within two years and default on their own. And that's the way people exited this business. And Jim, whole purpose behind creating service experts, and a lot of people don't understand that. If you weren't within our organization, you didn't understand the purpose. They just saw it as being a big business and, you know, he's disrupting the industry because this is a family run industry. And that's the exact purpose on why Jim was doing it is because Jim understood that if you owned a car dealer in your local community, you'd work 10, 20, 30 years and you'd sell it for millions of dollars. And yet a heating air conditioning company, you know, they're providing air plumbing electrical. They're providing a service that's much more valuable than any automobile. And he said, you ought to be able to exit your business after building 20, 30 years of this for wealth. And so he said, I'm going to form this opportunity where if you want to sell your business, you can keep working for the next six, seven, eight, 10 years of your life, or you can get paid that in one year and right off into the sun. And that is the guy who created this wealthy exit strategy. And then, and not a lot of people know this, but ARS, and sorry, I just had to move this bottle. It, it moved over <laughs> to the edge and was rocking about to fall off bottle. over here. I'm not going to tell you what the bottle was, but, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, what was I? Oh, um, ARS followed our model and duplicated and tried to duplicate it, but they didn't understand that we had six years of development in order to form service experts. So they went to marketplace and they had a false start and failed on performance and, uh, you know, the window of opportunity closed. So see, younger people think this business that you've always been able to sell your business for wealth and not really. You only had that three-year window from 96 to 99, and then it closed again. In 2004, when we started our branding initiative with One Hour Ben Franklin and Mr. Sparky, we opened that window again, but you couldn't sell your business then for anything in the trades. And we said, we're so confident in our brand, we're so confident in our systems, our procedures. If you invest and follow what we're asking you to do, we're gonna buy businesses. 
And we already had a game plan. This is how much revenue we're going to buy per quarter. And if you have the brand, you have the systems, you have the accounting, you have the software in place, then you're in line to be acquired. So the window opened back up from 2004 to 2007. And then, of course, in November of 2007, I believe it was, that's when the financial meltdown happened. It all came to an end again, and the window was closed. And then in 2012, I think uh, Dave probably uh, was probably the first guy to bring private equity into the game. I don't know if he approached them or they approached him, however it happened, but Dave was probably the guy who opened up the private equity. And a few people dabbled in it, but most people still didn't understand it from the private equity world. In 2015, they started paying attention. In 2017, they said, hey, if all these other guys could do it. And as you know, the last three years has been an acquisition feeding frenzy out here. It's been insane. But anybody who's exited their business for wealth, they have a great debt that they should owe to Jim Abrams because without him forming service experts, nobody wanted to buy one of these heating air conditioning companies, plumbing or electrical, until he formed that opportunity. That and feels- that's, to me, been his biggest contribution to the industry. Um, so let's, let's do this if you can, Terry. Um, what are we... Hey, we, I think we're a little over an hour into this thing, and I do want to make it a two-parter. Um, Absolutely. Paul, so, um, Terry, would you be willing to um, to hop back on another one and and let's finish up the the back half of these questions? Are you okay with doing that? Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, all, all this talk, all this part right here that we're talking about will be cut out. So, because I'll cut it right after your Jim Abrams thing, and then we'll I'll do an extra. So this is so don't worry, don't worry about this. But there's this is so good. Yeah, I I think that um, that was fantastic. I love that we went down that whole path and that you went so deep and like micro into it that it helps set the whole stage for it. The good thing about this podcast, Terry, is that it's mainly HVAC, plumbing, and electrical guys and roofing starting to come on heavy as I was noticing like Dave and some of my other guys buying roofing companies and seeing private equity get involved with it. So we're starting to gain some traction in roofing as well. But the vast majority of our listeners are HVAC, plumbing, electrical space. And um, and that was a clinic on the history of the trades. And we're sitting here humbled. I know Absolutely. Chris well enough. We're 2,000 miles apart. We're like, oh my gosh, this is such a story. Yeah. Like, humbled. Uh, and I'm grateful for your time. And I want you to make sure, um, I want to make sure that you know that, um, uh, that we are thankful that you took the time on this thing too. So me asking you to give me another hour, you know, on another, on a separate episode, I know it was a big ask, but would you be willing to do that for us so we can finish this thing up? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I don't want to leave them hanging. No in the way. Middle. Oh no, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. We, I just, if I, if there, if it wasn't a meeting I had, I couldn't move, I would keep going, but I have a, I have a meeting in about 13 minutes. I cannot miss. So um, in 13 minutes, I can't miss either because we talk to our membership every Wednesday, Jimmy and I do. Perfect. And in 13 minutes, I'm going to be doing this again live with Jimmy. There's not a chance so, that we're getting through the rest of these in 13 minutes. I would much rather be more thoughtful, you know, about it and it'll give us a chance to cut there and then continue on. So what I will do is make sure that I get um, with Matt or have my team get with Matt again to get you reset but let's not wait too long if you can because i would i like to roll the if it's a two-part series i don't want to roll them out too far apart um so within the next couple of of weeks if we can kind of get you rebooked that'd be ideally that would be great does this always have to be a wednesday 
you know, it doesn't always have to be a Wednesday. Um, so if we need to make some adjustments, we can do it. We just have to plan ahead because Wednesday's production day for us for the podcast because I have a te- podcast team. Um, okay. And but if we if we can get a date or a date set and a time set, we can and Paul can do it and I can do it. We can we'll make the yep. adjustment. Okay. And the only reason why I ask that is next went, or week, I'm actually out of action. Uh, I'm actually going with some clients on a, a trip here. So uh, I'm really out of action next week. And then the following week, we have new member launch on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I could do something like on Friday, if that worked for you. Yeah. So um, I don't, I don't, I th- I'm gone. So I think we'll get it okay. figured out. So I'll, ha- that, I'll yeah. just have, I'll have um, my team and Matt kind of work together well, we'll, and we'll find it. We'll will you be it. at service world expo? Uh, no, I'm not because okay. that's where we have our new member launch. If I Got it. Okay. Um, we'll get it figured out though. Within the next you okay. know, two, three weeks, right. as long as we get that, we'll be good. Cause I can record one week and then launch the next week. I know the team hates doing that because obviously it puts a lot of pressure on them to get it done, but we can't, we don't want to have it like a month and a half apart. So but we'll get it booked and I appreciate it. This was amazing. I'm glad I finally got to meet you, Terry, um, and hear your you story. Too. Um, I'm excited for part two as much as I'm excited for now, especially now that I just learned from your history lesson you gave us in the industry. Um, I will say this, uh, again, Thank you, but I have so much respect for um, your boldness and like your uh, the way that you approached the. You just keep going back to Jim and keep going back. Jim was almost like a driver for you, like getting to that spot with Jim Abrams seemed like it was a driver. You're like, okay, fine, I'll go do this. I'll go do this. I love that that you have that drive and that perseverance. Um, well, well, there's no doubt there that I've been very fortunate, and that's why I'm, you know, in, indebted to Joe. Uh, you know, Joe's a great guy. Uh, and, and my relationship with Joe is, you know, Joe's the one who made it possible to meet Jim Abrams. Dude, Joe is awesome. He was a phenomenal guest. He, we got to get him up to, up to speed on technology. Once we get him there, he's money. Oh, <laughs> we, were yeah. t- we were busting Open his invite. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, listen, I appreciate you, Terry. Thank you again so much. I know okay. you have to, to prepare too, but I, I'm, I'm grateful and I look forward to part two. Hey, I appreciate okay. you. Awesome. All right. Thanks guys. Take care. Appreciate Thanks, Terry. Bye-bye.